Luke 12, beginning of verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Uh, and, he, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then his disciples said to him, therefore I say to you, uh, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God clo so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. This concludes a reading of God's law. Please be seated. Well, this morning we're looking at the second of the seven deadly sins. Last Sunday we looked at the sin of pride. Today, today we're looking at the sin of greed. Greed can be defined a couple different ways. Uh, it's an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or material goods. It's a, a very strong wish to continuously get more of something, or it can be defined as living in pursuit of selfish goals to maximize personal, pleasurable experiences. Now, contrary to the opinion of Richard, Rich, um, Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, uh, greed is not good. Greed is a sin. Uh, it's a form of coveting. So we should think of greed as a violation of the 10th commandment. In our reading of God's law this morning, Jesus has the opportunity to expose the sin of greed. Uh, it begins with a person coming to him and asking him to settle a dispute. Verse 13, then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now it's worth noting 
that Jesus had been teaching his disciples about the need to be faithful in situations of persecution when this man from the crowd rudely interrupted Jesus and demanded his assistance. This is characteristic of greedy people. And I'm I'm not saying that greedy people are are always rude, uh, as this man was rude, but greedy people uh, typically tend to think that the world revolves around them. Uh, In any given situation, they consider how how they can be benefited. Uh, how the, in this particular case, a man was having a dispute with his brother over their inheritance, and apparently he wasn't getting what he wanted, so he tried to get Rabbi Jesus to coerce his brother into doing what this man wanted to be done. Notice that the man didn't come to Jesus and say, Rabbi, will you please mediate a disagreement that I'm having with my brother? He didn't say, Rabbi, are you willing to hear both of our opinions and then make a ruling of which I will submit to if you choose to rule on the side of my brother? The man doesn't want Jesus to righteously assess the situation. He just wants Jesus to tell his brother what ought to be done with the inheritance to the benefit of this rude man. This is another characteristic of greedy people. They try to use other people for their own personal gain. They try to manipulate other people so that they can get what they want. Jesus wisely rejected this man's appeal, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And then Jesus, having just spoken to this rude man, turns back to his disciples and he says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Oh, he's being a good rabbi. Uh, An uninvited man displays his sin before Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus turns this into a teaching opportunity for his disciples. He uses the situation to help his disciples better understand the sin of greed. Parents, we can use uh, this same tactic when teaching our children about sin. When an unexpected or uninvited situation of sin reveals itself in the presence of you and your children, there are a few ways you can respond. You can cover your children's eyes so they cannot look at this sinful situation. You can plug their ears so they cannot hear it. You can tell them to pretend like they've never witnessed it and just put the situation out of their mind. Or you can do as Jesus did. You can turn it into a teaching opportunity. You can begin that conversation with something like, now children, We just heard a man blaspheme the Lord's name. So let me remind you about our need to honor the name of our God. Or, that husband is not dwelling with his wife with understanding. He just disgraced her in front of her friends. Children, let me explain to you how he could have honored her instead. Or, children... What you're seeing is a young man devoid of understanding and he's being enticed by an immoral woman. In the greatness of his folly, that young man is going astray. He's like an ox 
being led to the slaughter. He doesn't know that she's about to drag his soul down to the chambers of death. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood. This is the tactic that Jesus is using with his disciples. Uninvited sin rears its ugly head in the presence of him and his disciples, and so he uses it as a teaching opportunity. He says to his disciples, you have just witnessed a person with an intense and selfish desire for wealth. You just saw a man who's living in pursuit of selfish goals to maximize pleasurable experiences. So let me warn you about the sin of greed. One of life's Uh, One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then Jesus goes on to further this teaching by speaking a parable. Uh, He tells about a man who was overcome with greed and how that greedy man's selfish pursuits ended up bringing the Lord's retribution upon him. Now, you might think, okay, Jesus, you've made your point. Uh, You've done an excellent job of teaching on this occasion. Uh, he, Jesus had made the point that sin is, uh, greed is a sin, and he showed that greedy people invite the Lord's retri- retribution. So you might think that he's finished teaching, but he's not. Jesus continues, and now he gets personal with his disciples. Whereas he had been calling their attention to the greed and rude of the, uh, uh, the, the greed of the rude man in the crowd, and the greed of the hypothetical farmer in the parable, now Jesus begins to apply his teaching directly to his disciples by explaining where greed might be operating in their own lives. He says to them in verses 22 and 23, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Notice how verse 23 is a reiteration of what Jesus said back in verse 15. In verse 15, he was highlighting the sin of the rude man from the crowd when he said, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And now as Jesus is, 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 is making application to his disciples' lives, he essentially says, take heed and beware of worry. Take heed and beware of worry. For one's life does not consist of food and clothing. So worrying about the provisions of life, according to Jesus, is a manifestation of greed. That may not be an obvious conclusion that we would arrive at on our own, but it's the application that Jesus is making as he's teaching about greed. He's still teaching about the sin of greed, and he uses the same formula for worrying about the provisions of life as he did when the rude man came and asked him to uh, make a ruling on the uh, inheritance, to tell his brother to split the inheritance. Likewise, in verse 29, Jesus adds, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind, for all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you need these things. And here Jesus is explaining that any anxiety his disciples might be experiencing while pursuing the provisions of life is another manifestation of greed. This too is a manifestation of greed. So Jesus didn't merely deal with the sin of greed in an abstract way 
or in a theoretical way or in a hypothetical way. He did deal with greed in those ways in the beginning of his teaching, but then he brought it close to home, close to where his disciples were living. And this is what an effective teacher does. He brings the content of his teaching close to where his audience is living. Why? So they can relate to the teaching, uh, they can relate the teaching to their own lives. So that they can see their own sin and then deal with their sin righteously. It's not about identifying the sin of the people out there. It's about defining the sin that's in here and then acknowledging it righteously. And once Jesus had brought the teaching home to the personal lives of his disciples, he continued or concluded by explaining how they can avoid the sin of greed. Verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things should be added to you. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things should be added to you. In other words, do you need food and clothing? Of course you do. But worrying about those things and anxiously seeking after them is a sin. It's the sin of greed. It's an intense and selfish desire for something. Your Father in heaven knows that you need those things, so trust that he will provide what you need. You go about doing the work the Lord has given you, and he will be faithful to provide everything that you stand in need of. That's what Jesus is saying. So brothers and sisters, have you been worrying about your provisions for life? About your home? About your finances? About your job? And have you been anxiously seeking resolutions to these worries? Losing sleep at night? Feeling overwhelmed? Acting in desperation? If so, then understand that these things are a manifestation of greed. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Your life does not consist of food and clothing. It does not cons uh, consist of cars or homes or closets full of clothes or a pantry full of food. The Lord knows that you need these things, so that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's not um, the issue here. The Lord knows you need these things, so trust that he will provide them at the time and in the measure that you need them. Set yourself to pursuing the work that he has called you to perform and leave the other stuff to him. And this reminds us of our need to repent. Where the Holy Spirit has uh, revealed to you your sin, remember that, the, that our, our Father in heaven pardons and forgives all who truly, truly repent while trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And repentance includes confession, and so let us confess our sins to the Lord. 